Welcome to the Stacking Slabs podcast. Join Brett to get the latest sports cards investment advice, hear from industry experts that are deep in the trenches, and find out when to turn left when the rest of the market is going right. Get eBay ready, get PayPal ready. Let's be students of the game and stack those slabs. What is up? Welcome back to Stacking Slabs, your hobby content alternative. It's Friday, and you know what that means. Another conversation with a collector that is bringing it. This time, I got my man, Joey, at the E-Trader on IG. Joey is someone who I've gotten to know. I think he's a very sound collector. I've learned a lot from him. He's in one of my Peyton Manning groups, got a chance to speak with him at the National. I said, you know what, Joey, I got to bring you on the damn show. Drop some knowledge. That's the conversation I'm bringing with you today. If you like what I'm doing over here, hit that subscribe button, leave a review, tell your friend about Stacking Slabs. What are you doing? Without further ado, let's kick it to the conversation. What is up, everyone? Welcome back to the show. I am excited. I am joined today by a fellow collector, um, someone who is in my Peyton Manning group chat, someone who I ran into at the National. Um, We communicate often. We collect similar things. um, And I was thinking about who I wanted to have on this show. And I was like, you know what, Joey, let's, let's do it come on the show. Let's chat. There's a lot I can learn from you and I'm sure our audience can as well. So I'm joined by Joey who goes by the E-Trader on Instagram. We're going to cover a little bit of the recent events. We're going to talk more about football and his collecting over the last 30 years. But without further ado, Joey, how are you today? I'm doing great, Brett. Thank you very much for having me on, brother. Um, As you mentioned, it was great to connect in Chicago. I knew you were standing behind me as soon as I heard that voice. (laughs) Yeah, it was, um, you know, I think the, maybe the only time I had seen your face was, uh, when we did the, uh, Kevin's, uh, Peyton Manning, like it was when we all got connected for the first time when, when the captain 37 does what he does, gets the captain ready and he brings together people over Peyton Manning and Tom Brady. It's kind of his specialty. Um, and so it, I, it was like everything kind of hit me at once. And I was like, oh, of course, we're standing here at Kevin's table at the National talking about football cards. But it seems like forever ago at this point. Right. Well, a lot has happened, no doubt. <laughs> and I want to get into that. But before I'm not sure I've chatted with you about this, but did you have any big um, pickups from the National that um, you were fired up about leaving the show? Absolutely. So. Um... I, I also collect a lot of basketball and I went there specifically to find a particular Michael Jordan card that I figured I got. It, it's incredibly rare. It was a 98 preview refractor, one of his rarest pops chrome refractors. And uh, I had high hopes going in because it's Chicago. It's Michael Jordan. It's the national first day, sweep the whole place. Couldn't find it. Um, second day, my buddy, Bo, Shout out. He's, he's, he's going to be listening to this. I'm sure he tracks it down to a gentleman that was getting it slabbed the day before. So I was able to pick that up. And that was literally why I went to the show, picked up some other great stuff too, but that was a literally on my list of top 10 finds. That was number one. That was the card I was looking for. So, well, con- congratulations on the pickup. Now I would imagine with a expo hall as vast as what we saw in Rosemont, Illinois, um, it 
probably felt when you were going through that, like trying to find a needle in a haystack? Were you sourcing people for information the whole way through? Like what was your strategy in order to find that card? So at a normal show, our strategy is, as again, I usually go with a friend of mine, is we will scour the perimeter at first as it's, if it's, a, if it's, a, if it's like a big square and then work our way towards the inside. Um, but the reality is, I mean, the entire, I think it was called the breakers room. I missed that the entire first day. That's how overwhelmed we were. And, you know, I've been in the nationals. I've been the six or seven of them over the years, if not more. Uh, but it was just very overwhelming. And our strategy was really just to kind of try to work at least somewhat of a map of the room. So we could remember and cover our tracks where we went. But even that was very difficult because I even noticed the next day, a lot of people's inventory changed, probably because they were getting obviously trade-ins, but a lot of people had things getting slapped. So So, it was tough. Yeah. uh, There was, I think I'm still trying to wrap my head around just everything I saw, the storylines, the people, um, everything else. When When you leave like a show like that and that experience at the national, like, does it take you a while a while to kind of think through everyone you met things you saw things you that might have influenced you like how do you after like getting overloaded with sensory overload for a few days like how do you make kind of the what's your fault the fallout process of the national look like for you so uh and i do this at all card shows right so i i start a new notepad in my phone it's really basic right and card shows, what I love about card shows is they give you ideas because you can walk around and view inventory. Unlike eBay, you have to tell eBay what you want to see. Now, it's obviously gotten much smarter over the years where it comes up with things that it thinks you may like. But the reality is the card show is really where your mind opens up and you get kind of expanded on new ideas. So what I do is ever I see something that I like or I think it's similar or I need to do some research, I open that notepad, pop it in there. I would, I would often also say, hey, what's your booth number? Put the booth number next to it so I remember. So that way, um, you know, if that is a card that I might be interested in or a variant of that card and I can go back to it, it would be a little easier to find. Or it's maybe something that might not be on my list, but maybe something I need to look into. And I just go down that, that, that notepad and I've got another checklist of the cards that I'm looking for. And once I get them, I strike it off and I put notes next to to each one, whereas maybe a PSA nine sold for X, PSA 10 sold for this. So that way, when I do find it as well, I can negotiate and buy it on the spot and know the market value of the card rather than having to go back. It's smart. I like the process. Something as simple as pen and paper works for many, works for many. Um, I want to get in, definitely want to get into your collecting, um, what you collect, who you collect, but you said something in there that triggered maybe some news from last week. You mentioned eBay and I know there was some News with eBay and PWCC. Um, we had the tops, fanatics news. We had, a, I know you're in Brady stuff. We had a Brady, Brady contenders, PSA 10 sell for 2.8 million. There was a lot of record highs last week. Before maybe we dig into those specifically, like what do you, what do you make of last week in all the news? Like major headlines seemingly every day that rock the hobby. I mean, yeah, it just kept coming, man. And I feel like a lot of these big announcements often happen in twos and threes because somebody's got one in the chamber. One comes out and says, 
somebody else has to be bigger. Um, you know, I, I, the consolidation with with fanatics was expected. I'm excited about it. I, you know, you knew something would happen. I think with that, when you see these newer cards selling for so much money, and and it's not just the you know PSA ten Prism Gold Mahomes kind of type type stuff. I'm talking about just the retail packs, the retail boxes. When you see them selling for such high multipliers over retail, you know that just that industry is not going to sustain the way it is. Something's going to happen. They're not going to let the the average Joe per se make those types of profits, you know, without the big guy getting even more. Um, and and you know that that's that's what we're seeing. We're we're going to see that over the years, and I think it's great. It gives legitimacy to the hobby. Um, it gives us hopefully not an abundance of product to where it gets diluted, which we've seen in the past. Um, and, and now, you know, I see that the, the player involvement is going to happen with a lot of this product, which I think is pretty cool as long as it's done right. Fanatics is, I mean, they are the Amazon of memorabilia. So I think no other better company to do it. They're going to do it right. They're flushed with cash. They know what they're doing. They know the industry of sports. Um, if they approach it right, I think it'll be it'll be fantastic. You've got, you know, like I said, they, they've in the in the memorabilia side, the jerseys and whatnot. I feel like they make a really great quality product. And and again, it's, it's feel like everybody overreacted and said, "Oh, we're going to have a fanatics refractor now. We're not going to have a top spring refractor." We don't know any of that yet. And you got to remember, they don't make fanatics Bucks jerseys. They make them through Nike or they make them through Adidas. They make them through top industry manufacturers that make a, fanatic, a, a fantastic product. So I feel like they'll inject that methodology into cards. And I think they'll make, they'll, they'll make the industry better. I love that perspective. That makes a lot of sense to me. Why, why I love, I know you're someone who's used PWCC throughout kind of your, your tenure in the hobby. Right. Um, I, I'd love for to gather your insights as someone who's, you know, bought through PWCC when, when the news, I was removed from Instagram, removed from the hobby that day. I was busy in my professional life. And I came back to my phone at about 8 PM in the evening. And I was like, Holy shit, like what happened today? So I was trying to navigate a bunch of people's opinions. I was trying to make sense, connect dots, um, and take a step back and try to absorb the information first. I'd love to get your perspective as someone who's been a PWCC user for a while. Like, what did the, when the news hit you, like, how did you react? And then, you know, a week, almost a week later, like what's the fallout uh, look like to you? Okay. So to preface this, everything that I say is my opinion is based on pure experience with the company on all these companies. I, I've been, I've been using eBay since 1998 actively. I've been a PWCC uh, customer both buying and both purchasing for over 10 years, probably much longer than I don't even remember, but I've been a seller with them for two years now. And I can tell you from the purchasing side, if you ask me, hey, have you, do you feel like you've ever been, you're, you're an auction that you were bidding on has ever been shilled, right? Have I ever felt that way? Yes, I have. I was wrong, but I felt that way, right? Um, I've bought cards and we had a conversation a couple of weeks ago about one and, you know, 
I was bidding on a gold refractor and I, I didn't have time to snipe it at the end. I figured I'm throwing in a huge bid. Nobody's going to be crazy enough to pay this. And I'm going to win. When I get off my flight, I'm going to get the, the notification that I want. I got outbid. In fact, I got sniped at the last second, right? And lo and behold, it's our buddy. Shout out, Drake. Shout out, Drake. Drake. And, and, and I love when that stuff happens in our group. I think it's, it's like the coolest high you can ever get. It's like, oh, that's awesome, right? Because there's this, this sense of relief that your buddy got it, but you're also sad that you lost, right? So I can't tell you how many times that has occurred over the years to where I thought, oh, man, somebody's pumping this card. Like, this is, this is BS, or somebody's trying to overstate a comp so they can sell theirs. And I couldn't have been more wrong. And it was literally the next day or three to five days later when somebody else's mail came, you see it on their story, mail day, and there's my Tom Brady black refractor that I just got outbid on, right? Um, and that's my experience with that. Now, I believe that their platform of technology is far superior than anyone else's. I believe that eBay sees them as a threat. And I think that eBay's playing Goliath. And I'm sure somebody somewhere did something wrong, okay? I'm not saying that PWCC is a bunch of angels and there's nobody there that's, that could be potentially wrong or greedy, right? But I, I do believe that the main operators of, of, of PWCC and the people that actually are pulling levers, they're making the right decisions. They're, they're, not, they're not trying to, to pull the wool over your eyes as a buyer or a seller. And, I, and again, I, Brett, I'm, I'm telling you this from my experience. I've got guys in my Brady group between all of us. And by the way, that the, I won't name any names, but the gentleman that sold the, the Brady for 2.8 is in my group, right? And we have done business with PWCC for years. We have transacted millions of dollars collectively with them. And none of us can come up with a story that's negative, right? Um, and my whole thing is the reason why they've got my business for a long time is because is really the technology and the communication. The communication is unbelievable. I don't care. You can, you can put them up with any other company, PSA, Golden, any of these guys, right? PWCC's communication is by far better than anyone. And again, I will preface, this is my experience. You get, a, you get an account rep, you can text him. He gets right back to you. If he doesn't know the answer, he finds out. You're talking to a real guy. I mean, I've texted these guys at 11 o'clock at night and they get right back. So... I just, I don't see, um, I just don't see a real benefit to them to, to really engage in active shield bidding to make a couple extra bucks across their platform when it risks such a, such a stellar reputation that they've built over the years. I don't see it. Um, but again, I do believe someone did something wrong somewhere for eBay to come up with the determination of cutting them off. But I do, a big part of me believes that it is a David Ruth versus Goliath type thing. And they're just flexing their muscles and they're, they're making it a little harder for them to do business. What I appreciate, what I, what I appreciate about that perspective is that it's coming from the lens of your own personal experience and personal view. It's right. not reading some news somewhere and just dumping on PWCC or dumping on eBay because that's what everyone else is doing. And I don't know, my feedback as, these are this tops 
and Fanatics thing, this PWCC and eBay thing, like this isn't going to stop. This is only going to continue. There's going to be more and more of these stories. And that's what happens um, in a growing market. So like, I think it is in our best interest in the hobby is to talk to the people who've been using, buying from PWCC for the last 10 years, who've been selling for the last two years. And you might not have all the facts and all the data. No, hardly anyone does. And probably only people within those companies do. But Taking taking those opinions, I think, holds a lot more weight than just someone on Instagram just piling on uh, already heaping mess of negativity. It, 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 Brett, it, it was unbelievable all, all the the comments that you read both ways and about every everybody that contributes to our hobby, whether it's eBay, or it's gold, any of these guys, right? Um, the comments are so ridiculous, and they're. They're degrading, they're insulting, they're negative. It doesn't help anybody. And of course, they're all from private accounts, right? Everybody has some some weird name, some private account. They've probably never even bought anything from any of these companies or very little. And they've got the biggest mouth in the room. And it's just, it's like you said earlier, you you can't jump to a conclusion right away. You got to get all the facts. You have to get, and, and, and coming from, again, everything I'm telling you, is just from my experience with them. And I, and I've, 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 I've got nothing negative to say, really. I, I really don't. They, they handle problems. Great. Customer relations. Great. Knowing where your things are. It's huge. And, I, and I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I was just going to say, yeah, this, this isn't meant to be like a, um, you know, we're, we're going this way and we're here to support this company or we're going this way and we're here to support X company. It's just trying to, gather evidence and people's feedback. And the, I, th- I just think as a hobby, like the more we can go pursue the truth, pursue the facts and pursue the evidence before we go jump to a bunch of conclusions and narratives and store stories and spin up and sewing circles. Like we're here to have, like, I don't know about you, Joey. I'm here to have fun. Like this is, oh, yeah. this is my escape from work. Um, I- I'm here to have fun. And so like when I'm going into a place and try to have fun, like, I want to do my due diligence and I want to give everyone the chance to tell their story. And then, then after that story evidence, then we can form our opinion on if we want to do business with someone or not. Yeah. I, you know, last week, so like you and everyone else, right. We have these, these separate Instagram accounts to literally release us from whatever our releases, but whether it's family, whether it's, uh, professional life doesn't matter. The bottom line is you open up that other Instagram account and you've got your cards. That's it. It's not, it's not affiliated with Facebook. Your aunt Betsy's not posting about the COVID virus, nothing. Right? It is cards. Last week was like the first week I felt like, Holy shit, man, I want to shut this off. Like what? it was just too much. It was too much. He said this, she said that these people are thieves. These guys suck. You know, it was just, it was too much. And, and it was almost, obviously I like to read the news about it, but at the same time, it was a little upsetting because it was like, oh, yeah, man, like everybody's just, just throwing darts, really sharp darts where in it's, where in it's again, an escape for all of us to not do that. You know? For sure. Is, is there anything just as individuals that that we can do just as collectors with Instagram 
accounts in the hobby to not get to that point where I, I I'm the same way, man. Like I decided last week that like, I need to, I just needed just for my mental health, reduce my Instagram time because every story was so negative and every story was just like, this isn't a hobby. Like I want to be a part of, like, I don't want to have conversations about this shit. I want to have conversations about the Tom Brady black refractor and the Peyton Manning gold X fractor. And where can we find these things? So is, is there anything that we can do as individuals to keep the hobby fun and not spin up into these conversations that are super negative? I think that, um, I think honestly, you nailed it pretty good where you really didn't post anything about any of it. <laughs> right. And it's just, and I think that's awesome. I think that that's the approach is just, I don't want to say say less, but just keep going about your day, posting your cards, keep moving on down the road, um, with, with, with your, you know, with the train that you're, you're riding. And, and I think that's the best approach. But no, man, we're going to always have guys that are looking for clickbait. And the reality is people click on this shit and people talk about it. I mean, look at what we're doing right now. Right? <laughs> okay, uh, we're going to close out on this topic, but I'd love for your feedback on this, where it's if you're not talking about it, then you don't you don't want to hold people accountable. That's the message. Right. You're not talking about it and you're not on this side. What do you just want everyone to be able to do whatever they want in the hobby? Like, how do you how do you counter that that comment that not only me, I'm sure several others in the hobby get as well? Um, good question. You know, um, I think you just kind of give an opinion based on experience and just move on. Keep it simple. But don't don't kick anybody too hard if they're down um, and just kind of move on. You know, uh, just keep it positive, man. I, I try to keep everything as positive as I can. That's a good segue. And let's, let's transition to the positive part of the conversation. And that's sports cards. You've been in the hobby for quite some time. I don't want to, I, I don't want to make you sound old, but it does say on your Instagram profile that you've got 30 years of experience, which is a lot more than a lot of other people can say. So maybe talk through your story of what the hobby has meant to you in, in your 30 years. Absolutely. So I'm 40, 40 years old. I think everybody my age, Brett, has a very similar story, but consisting of different eras of collecting, right? So I started when I was probably six, seven years old, late 80s, baseball cards, 87 tops, wood border. You know, th those were probably like the first. I was obsessed with Jose Canseco as a kid. I absolutely idolized the guy. Why? I don't know, but I did. You know, he was the guy, man. He was the guy back then. Jacks, you know, California, good looking dude, blasting home runs. You know, he's just the guy. So completely obsessed with him as a kid. Um, really, all I collected at that time was Jose Canseco. I just want, I had some other stuff, but I would get things so I can trade for Jose Canseco cards, right? That was my deal. And I, so... <laughs> I learned very at a very early age the lesson of don't keep all your eggs in one basket. Okay, I learned it about six years old. So, um, you know, I'm PC and Jose Canseco. My mom gets me. So I, I grew up in, in New Jersey, Philadelphia area. My mom, and so which was a National League, Phillies or National League. So American League never came to play the Phillies. So we were close to Baltimore, and my mom uh, gets me. Uh, 
tickets to an A's game. And long story short, it's like 90, early 90s. Jose Canseco, we, we go together. I want him to like sign a baseball for me and he just ignores me. So I kind of broke up with Jose Canseco at that point. <laughs> he, uh, he didn't know it, but, but I, was, I was pretty pretty crushed. So I stopped collecting for a little bit. When eBay was in its infancy in the late 90s is when I went through the stage of kind of like you with the, with the Andrew Lux, right? You're like, okay. Like at, at that point, I was like, okay, I can buy any Jose Canseco card I want because nobody collects baseball cards anymore. It's 1998, 97. I could go on eBay and type in that 1993 refractor I couldn't buy as a kid and I could buy three of them now. Ooh, so that's what I did. So I so I'm up on eBay buying all these ridiculous Canseco cards that I always wanted, all the rare upper deck stuff, you know, whatever. Now, in hindsight, I wish I was buying that golden era of basketball, right? Um, but I wasn't. And I, you know, got everything I wanted that kind of scratched the itch at that point. And I started really started this to follow other things even more and started to understand the grading process even more and vintage. And then you start to really get a grasp of, Hey, when you were a little kid and you're walking around these shows and you see these cards, right. Um, now you you understand the value of them as an adult, you can say, okay, how much was a Mickey Mantle rookie? You would never know at seven years old, right? Eight years old. You'd have no idea. But now you can go on eBay and look. And, um, you know, my whole, my entire professional career has been built around technology, right? And, and it's really stemmed from that use of eBay starting to recollect cards again. I mean, that's really what has stemmed everywhere, everything where I'm at now professionally, the industry I'm with now, that's where it stemmed from. Um, and I started to really get into more things. I started again in like 2008, 2009, to really understand it even more to where cards can now be a store of value, not just nostalgia. Because at that, up until that point, it was more of a nostalgia. It was like, hey, I really wanted this card for this reason, and I'd have it, right? Then you started to really understand, well, hold on a second. These cards are appreciating in value because every single card I looked up five years ago is more money now, right? Um, so I started to get a little smarter with the buying, right? Um, and I think my real, I guess, aha years of the hobby were more like 2009, 2010, 2011, is where um, the, rook, the, the NFL rookie class of 2012 in particular really gave the hobby, a huge jolt of steroids, right? Not because there were expensive cards, because there's always been expensive cards, but there were expensive modern cards of people that didn't do anything yet, right? You didn't see that until then. Um, and you saw, like, you know, you started to see it with baseball, right? Um, and football, right? But not really until then is where it really started to, like, click to me to say, okay, well, hold on a second. Um, there's cards that are selling for thousands of dollars, tens of thousands of dollars at that point, were of guys that, that really didn't do anything yet. And, and I'm talking about like Andrew Luck, I'm talking about 
Robert Griffin III, uh, those guys, and then even the speculation of the other guys that are even still playing now, right? So I really started to, to buy the smartest I've ever bought at that point. And that was just across all sports. That was, that was football. I was not all sports, but football, basketball, a little bit of baseball, and even a little bit of hockey. I mean, hockey's easy. Buy Wayne Gretzky. Buy the nicest Wayne Gretzky cards you can get. There you go. Hockey collecting 101, right? You could start there. But, um, but yeah, I, I started to, to really see growth to where you were seeing football cards of rookies sell for, or, you know, get, be everywhere. They were everywhere. Andrew Lux cards were, were freaking everywhere. So, um, so, so, so question on that. So I love this so far. This has been the first podcast that Andrew Lux name has been, has come up multiple times, which is nostalgic for me. So I, I appreciate that. Um, but I'm, I'm curious uh, in this, a lot of people, I think, come back into the hobby now and they think um, profit first, nostalgia second. Not right. everyone, but a lot of people do. Um, and then people evolve and they realize, well, I'm buying all these cards of these prospects and I'm losing money. Like, But I do want to stay in cards, so I'm going to start collecting people out of nostalgia. And that, that's kind of the, 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 the transition. It seems like you've kind of went in reverse where it's like, all right, I'm going to collect out of nostalgia and get understand how cards work. And then you have these moments probably cause you put in a bunch of activity where you're like, all right, well now, like I really know that if I put money into some of these legends or some of these players that uh, are established the, based on the data, like the, the, the prices of these things are bound to go up. And I think based on what I heard you say there on 2012 was you got RG three, Andrew luck that I, that was, in sports, in football, those were the storylines that year. So obviously with cards, people speculating, people putting a lot of money there. You, I, I'm, I'm guessing you saw all of that activity and all that was happening. And you said, yeah, like, I'm just going to let that, let that play out and everyone, you know, bid up and try to win these cards. And I'm just going to go put my money into some tried and true players that ha- have proven, who have won Super Bowls, who have won championships of Juan Stanley cups, whatever. And that's where I'm going to place my money. Is, is that kind of the, 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 the process that you went through back in kind of 2012? Exactly what happened. So, so I did buy some of the, some of the, the speculative stuff, right? I did. But I also started to see, man, this uh, uh, Aaron Rodgers is a good example, right? I remember I bought his, his tops Chrome rookie auto where, where, any any of the top quarterbacks, Luck, RG3 at that point, they were for a base rookie auto, dude, it was like 1500 bucks, right? At least for a base car, base rookie auto. And the gold refractors were probably 10 grand, 15 grand. Whereas an Aaron Rodgers, who at the time had already won a Super Bowl, was super hot, was 400 bucks. Okay. And then you can put that across the board. Peyton Manning, same thing. Now, there are Manning cards that have always been iconic and valuable. Don't get me wrong. The 98 contenders ticket, rookie ticket, that has always been an, a very iconic and a very valuable card, right? It's starting to get its respect now, but it really hasn't, it, it was still expensive then. Like you couldn't buy that for a, for a couple hundred bucks. That was probably like a $3,000 card at the time, which was, which was a lot of money at that point. But the Aaron Rodgers, the other Peyton Manning cards that weren't so iconic, 
Tom Brady was ridiculously dirt cheap, right? Um, and then any of the legends before that, Dan Marino, um, John Elway, Joe Montana cards. I mean, they were they were too cheap. You could just see it. You could say, okay, well, well what's, you know, now I didn't have the insight to buy 30 of them because again, I'm doing it as mostly as nostalgia, but also a little bit of store value. Say, oh, these are cool. Can put them away. I'm not just throwing the money in the street. I'm not spending it at a bar. I'm not buying a pair of shoes with it. You know, you're buying nice stuff. Um, but did I really think what would happen would, no, I wouldn't have. I didn't think it would explode the way it did. But again, yeah, I was zagging when everybody else was, or whatever you say, digging whatever other people were zagging or whatever. But, but yeah, and, and other people started to do it too. But was also very interesting and in what's occurring now with a lot of these legends is they're called like uh, gold refractors. And I'm, and I'm talking three, four, five, six, seven years in. Gold refractors, red refractors, black refractors, all, all this stuff, the pe- those are now becoming very valuable. Um, and you're starting to see that yourself. Um, and those cards are rightfully so because there's not many of them and they won't make any more of them. They'll never be the same again. Are, are, so are you talking about like, let's just say, uh, you know, uh, a, Tom, a Tom Brady's gold refractor from, or maybe Tom Brady's a bad example because all of his stuff is yeah. expensive, but just like an, maybe an Aaron Rodgers, like, you know, gold refractor from his, you know, six year in, yeah. in the NFL, that kind of stuff. Any of that stuff, any of that stuff. Anything from any legend or soon-to-be legend quarterback that's it, collectible. You gotta remember too, not every quarterback's collectible. Why? I'm not really sure. I get it. How, how do you how do you determine collectability? Like how do you define it? I define it as that's a, it's actually a really good question. Uh I define it as probably consistency. I feel like the positive consistent quarterbacks are very collectible. The guys that win is probably winning is parallel with collectability, I believe. Cause you've got a lot of guys that have been around for a while and they're not collectible at all. I mean, there, I'm sure there's people that collect them, but they're just not desirable or collectible. So, uh, so I, I got a DM. I'd love your feedback on this. I got, and this got me thinking, and I know you, you've, you've referenced him a couple of times. So I'd love to get your feedback on this. I had somebody reach out to me last week via DM and they asked me, Hey, Brett, can you please let me know or connect me with the best Aaron Rodgers collectors out there? Because I've got a Rodgers PCN and you talk about your Manning group and I'm just looking for people to connect with. And I sat there for a second. I was just like, you know what? Like, I don't know any Aaron Rodgers collectors like that. And then I took another step back and I said, Aaron Rodgers is one of the best quarterbacks of this deck last decade. But like, then I said to myself, is Aaron Rodgers a collectible player? Like, is he like, I sit and watch him every Sunday because I enjoy watching Aaron Rodgers play football. Cause I think he's freaking amazing, but it just doesn't seem like people talk about Aaron Rodgers. Like they talk about Patrick Mahomes or of course, Tom Brady, like what's up with that? Uh, that's a good one. I think you're right. I think he's like right on the border of collectible because he's kind of a dick. <laughs> right. To, to the media, he's kind of a dick. He's not the guy that, that everybody just likes. And I feel like everybody else you named, everybody likes him. Other than like a lot of people don't like Tom Brady only because he wins too much. But, but everybody else is, is 
everybody likes him. Patrick Mahomes lights up a room. Peyton Manning, everybody likes him. You know, um, Aaron Rodgers is a little bit is a little pump. So maybe that maybe that uh, is is what peppers the the incollectability of his cards. I, I have no idea, but he's got some good ones because he was a rookie in a really good time, and he's got some good cards. It's like almost. You know, I call like the late '90s, the early 2000s, more the sweet spot of collecting. It's almost like the golden era of collecting, where you've got some of the best cards, most iconic cards, rare cards, just a combination of everything. Aaron Rodgers came like right after that, but he still has some really, good, really good stuff. Totally. Um, and back to like the speculation play, I, I look and I just like I can't not see um, the money people are putting into like rookie tickets of. Jordan Love, rookie tickets of Jacob Eason, rookie tickets of these guys. And maybe it's because I've been through this, through one cycle of this, but like, I'm just like, man, like somebody just won that card for, you know, $1,500, $2,000. Like, wouldn't it be better just to put that money into a third year Aaron Rodgers gold refractor somewhere? But that's just not how the hobby operates, you know? My take on that is that becomes borderline going from collecting to gambling. Yep. Because that guy that's buying that probably has more than one, probably has no intention of keeping it and probably likes to gamble. Right. And I'm not, I'm not putting everybody and that's cool. I, I like going to the casino too. It's great. But like, but I look for stores of value. I've always looked for stores of value. I don't buy cards to flip them. I, I really don't. I very, this is the first year, year and a half that I've sold stuff out of my PC. And there's guys that know me, they know that things very rarely go anywhere. And if they do, I'd rather trade them to friends. I just did a, a really nice chubby deal with the captain, Kevin. And uh, I pried a card out from that I've been trying to get for him for a couple months. And he got two out of mine that I, that I didn't want to deal with. So, so that's cool though. I like that. I think that's cool. Uh, but yeah, the new, what people are paying for this new stuff, it's not just the money. It's just like, like, okay, why, why did you buy it? Did you buy it so you could flip it and tell everybody that you sold a card for three grand after the guy, um, you know, threw for seven interceptions on week one? I mean, is that, is that why you bought it? Or did you buy it because you really like the player, you like the team, and you think it's got long, long-term store value for you, whatever the case may be? And, and again, it's, it's becoming a, a form of gambling. And I think that's okay, but that's what it is. It, it's, it's not that it's not collecting at that point. I, I, I'm, I'm with you on that. Talk about, so something people like myself struggle with is the selling component, right? Like I know there's certain instances when a card pops up and it's like, I shouldn't take this out of my fund, like my, my money right now. What I should do is dip in and go to my cards and like rank them and say, you know what, these, these two or three can go, but still it's a painful experience. Like how did you, how do you come after all this time, come to the determination of, okay, like I do have to start letting a few things go. Like what, what, what are the reasons behind you doing that? So for me, the only reason why I ever sell is to, to put that towards something else. And it doesn't have to be a card. It just has, I have to have a reason for the sale, right? So if something, if something goes up exponentially that I have, or it's 
the value or the price of it has exceeded its value to me is when I'll determine I'll sell, right? Um, and, and again, I have to have a purpose for those funds, meaning, hey, okay, well, I want to get a nicer one or most likely it's like, okay, hey, I want to put these towards X or I want to buy a house or I want to buy a car, whatever the case may be. And everybody's scale is a little different, right? Everybody has cards that are a couple hundred bucks. I know we've got plenty of guys that have cards that are a couple million bucks, right? And, um, and everything in between. And, and, and I believe that every time, and every time I go to part or sell something, it's there is a purpose behind it. And that's probably the advice I'd give anybody that's saying, hey, what do, which ones do I sell? Or how do I part with these? Let me line them up in a row. Which ones do I like the least? Like, I get that part, but also have a plan after the sale is executed. I, th- I love that um, mentality, just uh, making sure you have a, a reason for it, whether it's a card or something else in life. Um, maybe like we turn the fourth turn here and go to just football cards this year. Um, man, it, it's like I've been talking about football cards all year because I love football cards. It just seems like uh, the, a lot of other people in the hobby are viewing football cards as something that they had never thought about, but now they're interested in which to me, when I got back in the hobby, it, it never made any sense to me because you've got the world, sh- not the world, let's just say the United States shutting down on every Sunday and every home in America has, you know, red zone or their team playing bars everywhere. People jam packed in stadiums, cross our fingers, hopefully this year. Um, and so it just never made any sense why more people weren't into football cards when I got back in the hobby. Now it seems like you know, you got the Mahomes sale, you got the Brady sale. There's just all these things happening. You had the Mahomes Brady Super Bowl. All these things are happening to help build momentum for football cards. What do you think like the reason is? Cause I know you're probably feeling the momentum I'm feeling. What what are like the reasons why football cards have finally arrived at the stage they're at right now? I think it it just it happens in stages, man. I mean, it, it just does. And uh, I agree. I thought that we would see the lift that we're having now last year, right? I, I, I really do. I thought that that's what would occur. But I also think that football being primarily an American sport um, has also kind of delayed a little bit of the push because you just, I don't know. I mean, I just, I just started, I feel like the last year was such an exciting year. And it's kind of pushed people towards it because like you said, you got a lot of people at home. We've had some amazing things happen in the sport. Um, And I also think we're entering seasons that we really need to start to appreciate because we got a lot of guys that are going to be hanging it up soon, right? We already lost Drew Brees. Okay. We've got um, obviously Tom Brady's he's amazing, but the reality is he's not going to be playing forever. Right. You've got Ben Roethlisberger. He's 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 going to be out soon, right? He, he doesn't have much time left. A lot of these guys, Aaron Rodgers, same deal, right? You got plenty of these legacy quarterbacks that are clearly Hall of Fame caliber quarterbacks, Super Bowl winning quarterbacks, MVPs. All these guys that have shaped the the hobby and the sport over the past twenty years or whatever, dude. They're going to be hanging it up soon, and you got a lot of like, you got a lot of fresh guys. Um, so I think that's part of it too. Is that that last you know, 
almost like a new era is going to start soon. And it's already started, but it's going to take over, take over uh, the league, you know? Yeah. I, I, there are a lot of guys closing the, the, the career out here within the next few years, legends that we watched, you know, some people were the first quarterbacks people saw in their lives, which is wild to think about and consider. Um, So going into this next era of quarterback, um, this next era of football cards, obviously Patrick Mahomes and is the mainstay. And then uh, Josh Allen certainly built his case last year and his market reflects that. I mean, I was just looking at that the other day and it's wild. Uh, even Baker Mayfield, his market is wild right now. We're gonna With, Herbert, dude. And, 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 and Herbert, but Herbert is a, a, one of those exceptions or what the exception to maybe some of those other guys where Herbert had a banger of a rookie season, but then it's like, I, I don't know. Are, are you, re- are you ready to like, put a bunch of money in Herbert, not saying he's not going to be great, but in football, there's the surrounding pieces in the team and the organization. Like what are, what are your thoughts there? Dude, I, I, I hope he's great. I, I hope, I hope he's great. And I think he will be very good, but what is baked into his price, right? Super Bowl. Three? How many? More than one. Right? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I, I just, I saw, I saw, okay. So I was watching uh, like a Kaboom, one of his, I think it was a one-on-one Kaboom, right? It went for like 80 grand, which I mean, what, what, how many other cards would I need to have in, in my PC before I drop 80, right? It's, and it's, I, I, I get it. Hey, somebody really liked it. Maybe whatever, whoever bought it is cool. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying negative. I'm just, the methodology behind the purchase is where I just want to dissect. You know, it's like, wow. I don't know. So, so, so with, so with these guys exiting and let's take a Patrick Mahomes, let's take a Josh Allen, let's take a Lamar Jackson, like out of the conversation, because those guys have been hovering around the top for a while. You are someone who is into getting into football cards and you, you, you see every damn team has a quarterback at this point, pretty much. Not all of them are going to shake out. Like, what is the methodology that you use? I know you're not into prospecting as much, but like, what are the types of things you're asking yourself before you're making purchases on maybe a guy who hasn't quite proven it yet? Buy what you like. Buy what you like. Always buy what you like. Always. Because that way, when you're stuck with it, it's not worth anything. You still like it. Right? I mean, it's that simple. Um, You can, you can, and, and you know this, you can, you can read all the statistics. You can look at their history. You can look at their all. You can do all the prospecting you want, right? But it really still comes down to, and it's not, it's not just luck. It's a combination of things. It's genetics. It's just whether or not they stay healthier, right? Whether Bill Belichick's going to figure out their game, right? There's a lot of things that that, that occur that affect you know a player's performance, their team. Uh, whether or not they can make decisions. And it's not just their ability to make decisions, it's the organization too. So, so there's just so many variables that are just beyond your control. Just buy what you like, you know? Okay. Buy your home team, whatever team you root for, buy their quarterback, whatever whatever you like is what you buy. I, I you know, I'm about that. Um, I, I agree with that. And I like what you said, and I'll just put an exclamation point on this. Just buy, just in case 
the player doesn't work out, you're still happy that you have the cards because there's an attachment and something there. I think that's really important. I'm going to put you on the hot seat a little bit to close this out. I'm curious, Joey, if you could get out your crystal ball and think about this upcoming NFL season ahead, do you think that, do you think there'll be any players that kind of rise into that next year? Do you think that there'll be any quarterback specifically that regress? Like what are your thoughts on just, the market quarterbacks this upcoming season. So take out all the obvious guys, like you said. I'd probably say Joe Burrow. You know, I think I think I think he's got a, a good shot. Um, I don't know. I, th- I think he's he's got a good t- the potential to have a good team around him. Um, you know, I feel like not a lot of people are talking about him. There's no spotlight on him, and I think that that helps. That helps because you know this. We we go through this every year. Everybody's got everybody knows who's going to win the Super Bowl. Everybody thinks who's going to be the best. And usually the guys that are supposed to be the best suck. Right. And then usually the people that are really good, again, other than the typical, the, the, the typical guys that are always take those guys. Out. Um, yeah. So, but I, but I think it's so exciting. I think Carson Wentz has a great shot. I think you, I really do. If he stays healthy, and we see Carson Wentz with four or five years ago, then what? Right? You, my, uh, my, my day was made today when Carson was on the football field, running around, practicing, looking like no injury had taken place. So signs of positivity after a little scare to start training camp. So I'm, I'm happy the injury and surgery happened when it did, and I'm hoping for a healthy season. Are they are they starting him week one or not? I saw it too. He's running around with a mask on, right? I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't. It wasn't listening though. I couldn't hear if they were going to start. That that is the that is the talk starting week one right now. So we're we're hopeful, but you know what? Like, uh, I think you know Eason is a capable backup, and you know if you need a guy for a game or two, just run the shit out of the ball with Jonathan Taylor, and hopefully the the defense plays well. That's my mentality. Wentz is a good leader, man. He was anyway. I mean, he probably still is, but uh, I think um, he's a, he's a big dude. He's mobile. He's smart. He can throw. It's rare that you, you get all that into one guy. You know, usually the bigger guys aren't mobile, right. Or usually the mobile guys can't throw. And um, you know, it's, 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 it's good. I mean, I, it's, uh, I I like Wentz. I've always liked him. Um, but you know, again, it's, it's come down to genetics with him and, and a little bit of unluckiness, right? Yep. We're, we're hopeful. And before, before we close this out, maybe talk about a card in your, let's keep it on football. What is a, a football card in your PC right now that you just absolutely love and like maybe share the story behind it of why you bought it acquisition. Let's close it out talking about sports cards. Absolutely. So I will use my most recent pickup because it's a card I really wanted. I should have bought it when I bought the 8.5 about four years ago, whatever that was, Um, because I believe in the card. It's my favorite player. It's kind of a sleeper. And I got it from our boy, Kevin. Um, It's Tom Brady. Tom Brady didn't have a tops card. And again, part of the reason why I like to collect Tom Brady is because he was supposed to suck, right? He was supposed to suck. So unlike a lot of these other guys, Tom Brady didn't have a lot of cards. He had very few rookie cards compared to everyone else. They literally skipped the guy in 2001, 
literally got skipped. He had like two cards. Tops didn't even make a card of his until 2002. So in 2002, he has a base Tops card, base Tops Chrome. And in Tops Chrome, they had black refractors as the refractors. They were numbered to 599. And it's basically Tom Brady's first Tops Chrome refractor. Well, I was able to do a little trade deal with Kevin and pick up the PSA 10. You, you, you ended up with it, huh? I got it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I got it. I, I started like, I remember he said he was going to put it up. So I think he's got another one. It's a pop 13. So I think like six of them were in our Brady. And um, he started, he announced he was going to like sell it I don't know, a couple months ago. And he was going to put it on his table at, the, at his local show. And he was going to bring it to the nationals. And I'm like, reminded i'm like yeah dude we're doing a deal on that card like let's go right let's figure something out i try to want to like offer him some stuff that he wanted that he liked ask him a bunch of questions because you know i didn't want to be like just offer him a bunch of shit that he doesn't like so we were able to come come to a a really fair deal and again he got my my 8.5 which is cool so that went to him and he picked up another brady that that's the PSA 10 refractor and some other stuff, a gold curry for me. So it was a big, pretty big deal. And uh, yeah, we're, we're very happy. And, and again, I think he's happy that I got it. And uh, it was cool. It worked out. I know, I know some other people were trying to make a deal with them too. And it's kind of a hard card to comp. Yeah. Just a hard card because there's just not a lot of sales of it. I don't know. I've always wanted it, man. And I, and I, and I knew when I freaking bought the <laughs> The one a couple of years ago, I was like, dude, I need to just get the PSA 10. I couldn't find it because at that time it was like a pop three. Um, so yeah, so it's kind of cool. So that's like honestly one of my favorite cards. It really is because it's because it's not that it's obscure, Brett. It's just that not everybody realizes what it is. I mean, everybody's starting to kind of realize them now, but not a lot of people realize that that he didn't have a tops card. So I love the story and I love the deal. Um that I didn't know about it as a non, well, I guess I could be considered somewhat of a Brady collector these days, but I learned about the story from the, the Brady's collectors. And then I knew Kevin had one. I saw the price and was like, oh my goodness, like this card is significant. And then I saw it at the National in his showcase. And when I went looking around, I stopped by Indy Car Exchange and they had the Peyton Manning black refractor from that year. And you know, it's pennies compared to that. And I was like, I got to just buy this just because at least, you know, th- at least I can say like, yes, his rivals first refractor is, is in this set. So like just stuff like that, like I was influenced to buy that card based on the story of the card that you just acquired, which is fun. These are the fun things that I like to talk about in the hobby. Dude, any, any card in that set, any of those black refractors, they're numbered. Any good player is an excellent buy. I don't care. And there's great ones, man. There's an Emmett Smith. There's a Brett Favre. Uh, there's a Jerry Rice. There's some cool ones that, that people are forgetting about. They're all numbered to 599. They're black refractors. There was no gold refractor until the next year. And even the next year, it was an X-Fractor, a gold X-Fractor. Um, so, yeah, they got a lot of hobby heritage. They got a lot of... You know, it's got a lot of good history there, man. And it's a great looking card. And of course, it's just an overall killer design. I mean, I'm partial to retract, but 
I think you're the best. That's that's what I collect the most of. I'm I'm right in that camp with you. You better go hit your eBay uh, listing. We we're gonna have some listeners going hopping on the uh, black refractor 2002 train after this episode drops. Yeah, right? <laughs> uh, maybe we close it out with this. We you've got a lot of experience. Crazy times in the hobby. Stuff's happening. Like, what piece of advice do you have for the audience? Just as things are going down in the hobby and and stuff continues to bubble up. A uh, couple things. Obviously, buy what you like is key, but also always look at pop reports before you make a purchase and buy things that are serial numbered, ideally graded, PSA or BGS. SGC is creeping up there, but you don't find them in my collection. Not that they're bad. I just don't collect them. Stay off of these off-brand grading companies. They're in the slabs for a reason. They're in there for a reason. Whether it won't pass another grading company, right? Shouldn't be in the slab to begin with, whatever. Whatever the reason is, I don't care. It's in there for a reason. Just stay away from them. They're probably not going to be around for very long or they'll change into other companies. But if you're new, right, and you're looking for safe stores of value and you're not sure on something, stick to, stick to what you know. Stick to the good stuff. Stick to the things that have been around. And, um, you know, that, that's pretty much all I've got. Joey, this was a great, great conversation. I learned a ton. I know the audience out there did too. Everyone go check out his badass collection at the E-Trader. There's a couple of periods in there, but you can search yep. it. You'll find Joey. Go check him out. Joey, thanks so much for the time. Talk to you again real soon. Thanks, Brett. Take it easy, man. So much good insight and knowledge there. I could have talked with Joey for hours. I love the perspective about the news going on in the hobby. I love his mindset when it comes to collecting. Listen back to that episode. There's a lot of little nuggets that Joey dropped in there that'll help you out and make you a better collector. I promise. Take care of yourself. Take care of others around you. I'll be back. More Stacking Slabs next week.